Welcome to the Shine Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Castell. My hope is that this podcast will be a place to encourage women to shine their lights brightly and authentically by unapologetically being who God called us to be. You can expect to hear me talk about things like Jesus, how ghetto adulting is, finances, dating, therapy, and honestly, everything in between. My prayer is that each episode you will walk away feeling encouraged, inspired, and seen. Let's get into today's episode. Happy Wednesday, beautiful people. (laughs) So um, can we talk about the fact that May is basically over? Like, how are we in the last week of May? Like, June is pretty much, what, four or five days away? And that is mind-blowing to me. Because June is the sixth month of the year. So how are we almost halfway through 2020? That feels crazy to say out loud, where the heck did this year go? I have no idea. I just, yeah, I can't believe how quickly the days are flying by. I mean, I think because most of us are still in the house, it feels like the days, maybe as you're going through them, might feel like they're going slowly because we're just in the house. But I just, I can't believe that we are approaching our sixth month of this year. Insane. But this year, I got a whole lot more intentional about how I approach my goals for the year and the things that I want to accomplish. So for me, that meant setting really clear goals at the beginning of each quarter. And I even created a mission statement for the first time this year. I've heard of people doing that, but I had never done that prior to this year. And I am a big fan of that process because it gives you direction uh, for what you want to accomplish for the year. So definitely recommend creating mission statements. Uh, Y'all want to hear my mission statement? (laughs) Okay. I'll tell y'all. So here's my mission statement for 2020. This is kind of something that I put together in January. And this is what I came up with for what I want to accomplish for this year. I said, this year, I want to invest my time and energy towards one, reconnecting with God, two, embracing and pursuing my calling boldly, three, creating better saving and budgeting habits while paying down my student loan debt, all while four, prioritizing fitness, and five, exploring dating. And I definitely think I will write a mission statement of some sort every year because I really feel like it helped give me clarity on what success for me would look like at the end of this year. And so, you know, at the end of the year, when you're sitting down and you're like, okay, what did I accomplish this year? What do I want to do next year? I felt like writing a mission statement just gave me clear, actionable goals to measure myself on. And some of those buckets buckets are pretty broad. And I do go back in and break the goals out. So for example, like reconnecting with God, for me, after a really rough season in um, Indy, I felt like for me, I, I wanted to reconnect and like get my reading habits back, like sitting down and reading the Bible and, and journaling. And so for me, the actionable broken out piece of that goal is really to do my devotion daily and journaling three times a week. So at the end of the month, I like to kind of assess where I'm at with each one of my goals and basically track my proje- my progress. And to do that, I like to ask myself a few questions. So, for example, one of my questions is, what goal did you crush this month? Or what are some of the mo- some of the things you're most proud of accomplishing? You are most proud of accomplishing this month. Uh, number two, what is something new you learned this month? Three, what is something new you learned about yourself this month? Uh, four, what is one thing you need to change or do better next month? And then five, what is one goal you did not accomplish this month? Why and how will we approach this differently next month? 
And so I'll answer some of those for you guys because as I'm coming into the end of the month, I'm just reflecting on on where I'm at and some of the goals I set for this year. And so the first one, so I feel like I've been crushing my goal to provide consistent podcast content. Making these weekly episodes is not easy, you guys. It, it's not. Um, and I really just, you know, have to hold myself accountable. But I'm super proud of myself for sticking with it. I can't believe this is episode 10, not including the bonus episodes and the trailer episodes. I think it's like episode 13, really. So yeah, that's one goal that I'm like, you go, girl. Something new that I've learned about myself. So I have learned, and I think I may have either mentioned this on a previous podcast episode or maybe I was talking about on my Instagram story, but I have learned that I have to write a to-do list to get anything accomplished because basically just to get everything I need to complete out of my brain and down in an organized manner, I've realized that if I have too many things stuck in my head that need to be done, I won't do any of them because I will just keep going in circles in my head about which one I should start with or the order. And eventually I'll just never start with anything. So that's something new I learned about myself this month. And that's really just been a quarantine lesson, to be honest. Um, what goal did I not accomplish this month? All right, y'all. Well, to be honest, I did I don't think I worked out once in May. I went on a couple of walks here and there, I think. Um, but I have not really been doing anything towards my fitness goal. And so next month, I think. I'm going to put some accountability around my fitness goal, maybe working out with a buddy or having someone to do FaceTime workouts with, because I know I'm much better when I have some sort of accountability when it comes to my fitness goals. So I just, I definitely recommend getting granular with your goals. And I know coronavirus has thrown a lot of us off, but I know there's still still some things that you want to accomplish this year. So write them down, be specific about them, and then check in with yourself monthly to see where you have made progress. How is your heart, sis? Checking in on the ones and twos. How is my heart? My heart is actually really appreciative. Uh, At the beginning of all this pandemic stuff, like I shared with you guys in some of the earlier episodes, I was pretty anxious about so many things. I remember a day where I was literally sitting on my floor with my heart beating all the way out of my chest And I sat and I thought about all the things that this pandemic would mean for me and the world around me, the people around me, the life that I knew. And I was fearful about many things. I was fearful about job loss, fearful about sickness, fearful about our economy, and so many other things. And today I had a moment where I just had to thank God for all the things that I was fearful for or fearful of that didn't happen. I think a lot of times anxiety and worry comes from us forming these situations in our head that you know we make up in our head and 90% of the time they never even come true, but we spend so much time thinking about them and making ourselves anxious about them and the reality of that, making ourselves anxious about them and the reality of them coming true. But we very rarely go back and say, hey, that thing that I was super anxious about or that thing that I was super worried about never happened. And so I had a moment where I just had to say, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for all the things that I was anxious about and fearful about that did not happen. And I actually sat down and wrote all those things out and just thank God for each and every one of them. And yes, this pandemic has changed a lot for many of us, 
But the truth is that some of us may have been more afraid of the unknown of how this would affect us all more than the actual virus itself. Um, So yes, uh, there may have been ways that this pandemic has affected me negatively, but if you're like me, there are probably some things that you spent your time worrying about earlier on that didn't happen. So I would encourage you as a practice of gratefulness, just to thank God for those things that you were worried about that didn't happen because it it was just a really good practice for me. Um, So yeah, that's how my heart is doing. I'm just appreciative of uh, the areas that I was worried about happening or the things I was worried about happening, the fact that they didn't happen. And that's not to say that there weren't negative things that have come out of this pandemic, but again, we spend a lot of energy creating these scenarios in our heads. And so I thought it was really helpful for me to just actually sit and say thank you to God for the scenarios that I created in my head that didn't actually play out. So now it's your turn. Time to check in. How is your heart, sis? Last week, I answered uh, some of the questions that I've gotten from you guys and from my followers on Instagram about my therapy journey, questions like how I found a therapist, why I started therapy, et cetera. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet and you have some of those questions, definitely make sure you go back and listen to that episode because I got a lot of great feedback on that episode and I just give perspective to my journey. But I also want to caveat quickly and say something. I did put up a post on Instagram that said, you can love God and have a therapist. And I got some messages in my DMs from women saying that they were struggling with what things to go to God with and the things to go to your therapist about. So I just want to clarify, number one, you go to God for everything. I believe that God desires intimacy with his children. And that level of intimacy includes us sharing with him all the ways that we're struggling, all the things that may be burdening our hearts or making us sad. And he doesn't just want us to present the good moments to him, the happy times. Like he wants to be included in every moment and every decision. So like just like any relationship, you don't just, well, I mean, I would hope you don't. I don't just go to my friends with with the good times and all the happy moments. Like, no, I go to them when I'm struggling, when my feelings are hurt. And that's what makes a real relationship. So absolutely, pour your heart out to God for everything and about everything that you are going through. Go to him with the areas that you're you're struggling, but you can also talk to a therapist and God. But your therapist should not become your God. Don't start cheating on God with your therapist. God should always be first. And personally, I like to think of it like talking to a friend about a problem. Just because I prayed about something and I presented it to God doesn't mean that I wouldn't talk to my best friend about it or talk to her about some of the things that I'm praying about. And so I talk to my therapist in the same way. So just wanted to clarify that and touch on that since I did get that question. But this week's episode is really about all of, well, three of the literal life-changing things that I learned in therapy and how I apply those things in my life. And I've already said on the last few weeks of episodes how much therapy has been helpful for me, and I will continue to advocate against the stigmas of therapy and for people to go to therapy. So let me just say that, okay? (laughs) Number one, because y'all know I love a good organized list. (laughs) So number one, the first life-changing thing that I learned through my journey of therapy, starting therapy, 
um, was that I was not the person that I thought I was. I know. Before therapy, my time and my time in indie, really, I thought that I was this floating in the wind extroverted person that could easily adapt to most new life situations without needing much. And being an indie determined that all of that was a lie. (laughs) And number one, I actually realized that I'm a lot more of an introvert than I thought. I'm technically an ambivert, which is an extrovert introvert. And depending on the day of the situation, I can fluctuate between one or the other. And I've always been like a a pretty, like a kind and pretty bubbly person. And I thought that that's what made me an extrovert. You know, I didn't mind public speaking. I'm fairly confident. I, I didn't mind talking to new people or being in new environments. But what I realized is the difference between introverts and extroverts is not how social they are. It's really how they recharge and gain energy and what type of social setting they prefer. And it has nothing to do with with confidence. I think a lot of times people think that introverts lack confidence while extroverts are really confident and that's not the case at all or that introverts can't public speak and they're just super shy like no you can have an outgoing personality but you just prefer to gain your energy alone so for example like extroverts gain energy by being around people whether they're people that they know or they're strangers they just they're energized by big groups and large crowds of people whereas introverts gain energy by themselves that doesn't mean that introverts can't be in large crowds of people and whether it be strangers or their friends, but they're probably going to feel drained by that, whereas an extrovert will feel energized by that. And so for an introvert, they might recharge by sitting in the house, reading a book, and that might be the way that they feel the most recharged. So for me, when I was in Indy, I initially found myself hanging out with this already preformed large group of Black professionals that live there and, you know, going to the happy hours, the pool parties, the game nights, etc., And then I started to realize that those weren't my preferred environments to make friends and hang out. And it was really draining for me. And I I honestly couldn't figure out why. Like, I was literally so confused because, like I mentioned in, I don't know, however many episodes ago, uh, I think Grieving Unmet Expectations, for me, I thought the idea of, like, moving to a new city and just going out all the time with friends, whether, you know, just hanging out, whatever, I thought that that was going to be great for me. And so I was really struggling with why why am I not making friends the way that I thought I was or why are these situations not feeling the way that I thought they would? And my therapist helped me realize that it's because I was likely more introverted than I knew. So she helped me realize that what I was craving was a deeper, more intimate connection with people. So I wasn't someone that like could walk in a room and befriend the entire room. Now, of course, I'm kind to everyone, but I learned that my process for making friends is a lot more intimate. So like I like one-on-one conversations and deep, meaningful interactions. I didn't just want a bunch of brunch friends. um, So basically like friends that you just go out to brunch with and you have fun with, but you never actually like learn anything about them, who they are, what their motivations are, et cetera. And I learned that my process for making friends has to be grounded in some sort of commonality. So I likely want to know what your life story is, what your favorite color is, what you wanted to be when you grew up, all of that. And when I assessed my friendship groups around me, like I realized that most of my friends from back home and from college, even high school, were all introverts. (laughs) And now my extroversion can turn on from time to time, but I definitely think the older that I get, the more my introversion is shining bright like a diamond. And I initially thought that something was wrong with me. But like I said, my therapist just helped me to realize that maybe I was just thinking about myself differently than I actually was. And it was so true. 
And the realization of that was really freeing for me because initially I was, like I said, I was trying, I was trying to figure out why I wasn't making friends as easy as I thought. And I thought that there was something wrong with me, like I said, but my therapist helped me realize that that wasn't the case at all. I just needed, I just needed help seeing that it was more so about my process and criteria for making friends, which was a game changer for me because now I know, and that realization actually helped me make some great friends in indie because I knew what I was looking for in a friendship. And it also helped me let some people off the hook that I initially felt disappointed with or disappointed by when we didn't become the best of friends. I just realized that we might have different criteria for friendship and me understanding how I'm energized, how I make friends, how I prefer to interact with people was life-changing. The second thing that I learned about that changed my life was learning about the Imago theory, which if you have never heard about this theory, just hold on to your seats because I may be about to blow your mind. Because when my therapist told me about this theory, I mean, I was it was like a jaw-dropping discovery for me. So the Imago theory was originally created by Dr. Harville Hendricks. I believe that. Yeah, Harville Hendricks. And the theory says this. And I'm going to read it exactly how it's written on the website. Um, Then I'll summarize it in my words. So the Imago theory suggests that a person's brain constructs an image of characteristics from their primary caretakers, including both their best and worst traits. The brain's unconscious drive is to repair damage done in childhood and the needs that were not met by finding a partner who can give us what our caretakers fail to provide. This is why people often form relationships with partners who reflect traits of their own parents. A person's unconscious self drives them towards this to seek healing and to resolve unresolved childhood wounds in order to grow. In this way, wounds received from their parents tend to be re-stimulated by new adult partners and potential future partners. Baby. (laughs) Okay, let me break that down to y'all in just my words. So basically, as children, we take this mental inventory of the characteristics and traits of our parents or whoever the person is that raised you, both the good ones and the bad ones. And that if we had needs that were not met as a child, so think emotional needs, like you weren't told that you were loved or maybe you were often dismissed by your parents or you weren't allowed to express yourself, whatever emotional needs you had that were not met, we then go seek romantic partners. So ladies, we go out and find a man or find ourselves attracted to men that often have the same characteristics as our parents, the good ones and the bad ones, because we are seeking to recreate and almost heal our childhood wounds to get our needs met. But the kicker is it's basically a cycle because clearly there was something about the characteristics of our caretakers that could not meet our needs. So going out and trying to find someone with the same traits is counterproductive, which explains why a lot of women fall into cycles and these patterns of choosing the same partner. And and that's not just exclusive for women, but you know, I'd be talking to y'all, the ladies on this podcast, but guys do it too. And I mean, this, when my therapist told me about this theory, like my mind was blown because I found a lot of truth in this and because this was this helped me to unpack a lot of my past relationship stuff with my therapist. 
I also read Dr. Harville Hendricks' book, Keeping the Love That You Find, which is more for singles, but he has another one if you're in a relationship. It's called Getting the Love That You Want, and that one's for couples. I highly recommend his books because I think it teaches you so much about your patterns and why we choose the partners that we choose. And one of the exercises is to basically find out what your Imago theory is, and Imago is image of love. Um, And so the exercise, one of the exercises in the book had me reflect on my past relationships, and it had me go back and think about the things that attracted me to past partners. So what were the things that I first noticed about them? How did I feel in the beginning of the relationships? All that, like how did it start? And uh, basically, I found out that I'm attracted to the same kind of guy. (laughs) And I like the more reserved guy who appears to be a bit mysterious. I don't like the loudest guy in the room. I'm usually looking for the quieter person that's trying to fade in the back. Um, So that was one of the things I discovered. But also the exercise then had you write out all the things that you didn't like about that person or that ultimately led to the end of the relationship. So it's like think back to your first argument or think back to some of the things that you ended up not liking about them in the end. And for me, it was usually the person wasn't opening up or was um, super shut down emotionally, which clearly goes into why I felt like they were mysterious. <laughs> but basically, the exercise helps you identify patterns in the guys that you pick. And I also realized that um, I, the same reason why I ended a lot of those relationships, it, it was the same reason. It was it was this pattern that was showing up in all of my relationships, and this this exercise helps you to identify those patterns, maybe patterns that you're not even aware of, um, of the guys that you pick and maybe some of the reasons why your relationship didn't work out in the past. And my goodness, it was so eye-opening for me. And I definitely recommend reading the book if you've never done an exercise like that before, where you like take stock of maybe where you repeat habits or choose the same partners. For those of you that haven't been in a relationship, maybe where you're, what type of guys you're attracted to and why. It it was some heavy stuff, but but it was good. And the realization actually helped me to think about why I'm attracted or unattracted to someone and maybe ways that I'm tempted to fall into past patterns because ain't nobody got time to be choosing the same person over and over again. And so me understanding these behaviors and what goes into these behaviors um, and understanding the Imago theory and what my personal Imago is really, really changed a girl's life. And last but certainly not least, because honestly, I could go on and on about the things I learned in therapy, but one of the other really impactful things that I learned was that not everyone has dealt with their traumas. Actually, most people have not, and not everyone has the toolkit to do that. I invested in therapy so that I could understand myself better understand how certain experiences in my childhood shaped me, learn my own negative behaviors and what are some of my emotional blind spots and how I move through this world. And I'm doing the work. But unfortunately, a lot of people have not taken stock of those things and are not doing the work. And a lot of people have these blind spots and they have no idea. And it doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them hurt people. And maybe they haven't learned how to express themselves. And that realization 
gave me so much more grace for people. Like, wow, we are all hurt. Some people just haven't dealt with their hurt or learned how their hurt has shaped them. So now for me, instead of reacting emotionally to someone that does something that I don't like or that hurts my feelings or, or whatever, my default is usually, hmm, I wonder if this is coming from a place of hurt in them and they just don't have the toolkit to express that. And that realization has, like I said, has been very freeing for me and it honestly has helped me to stop taking things personally. Because usually how someone is reacting or treating you has way more to do with them and their stuff than it does with you or your stuff at all. Hurt people hurt people. And I just want to make sure I'm not out here with open wounds, bleeding on other people, but not everyone is there. Not everyone has those toolkits or has even faced some of their own blind spots. And that has freed me. Because I am no longer looking at people from a place of, I don't know, what's the word? I'm no longer, it's like when you see, uh, we'll see if this is a good analogy, but it's like when you see a child throwing a tantrum. It's like, oh, but but that's a three-year-old, right? Like nobody has taught them that that's not okay. They haven't learned how to express themselves, so they just fall out in the store, and when you see an adult throwing a tantrum, you might look at them and be like, all right, now they know better. But when you have that realization like, oh, no, <laughs> it's it's the same thing as a three-year-old. They never learned how to unpack those feelings. They never learned that this is not acceptable behavior. And so being able to look at people in that way, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm looking down on people because that's not what I'm trying to communicate at all. What I'm trying to communicate is that I am now understanding that everybody has been hurt and in some way, shape, or form, whether you know it or not. Um, and the ways in which people have been hurt have shaped them and it shapes how they interact with others. And they may not realize how it has shaped them. And they may not know that they are out here, they're walking around out here with open wounds that are bleeding on other people. And so, me, realizing that has, like I said, just allowed me to extend a lot more grace to everyone and just not take things personally because they got their own stuff and maybe they just haven't had the time or the toolkit to unpack it. I told y'all answering that question could be a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) So that is that on that. These are just three small examples of how therapy has really taught me a lot about myself. And I think I will be getting off my therapy soapbox for now, but like I said, I will always be an advocate of it and I will never have enough good things to say about it, but I will leave you with this last quote about therapy that I found online before I get off my soapbox. It says, therapy can help you unlearn what you are feeling, why you might be feeling it, and how to cope with those feelings. Therapists help guide people through some of the most personal and painful experiences in their lives, helping them overcome depression, living life with loss, and how to stop self-destructive behaviors. So that's that on that, y'all. I hope this episode and the last two episodes really where I've been talking about therapy have been helpful for you guys. I hope you have learned something new. 
I hope that if you were on the fence about therapy that you heard or learned something that made you decide to start. I know it's a little challenging in this uh, weird pandemic space that we're in, but a lot of therapists are offering online sessions through Zoom or Skype. So don't let the technology be what holds you back from starting. If you really feel led or you feel like you're in a space where you just have some things that you just want to talk through or you have some areas that you're like, hmm, this this might be a blind spot for me or this might, I have some patterns I want to talk about. Wherever you're at, I mean, this pandemic has caused a lot of anxiety. So maybe you're just like, I need to talk to a therapist because I'm anxious. Talk to God about wherever you're at and then pray about talking to a therapist. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned some some new stuff. Don't forget to rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening so people that can find it. I would really, really appreciate your help there. So don't forget. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay happy, and find a way to shine bright on purpose this week. Love you guys.